Hello and welcome to BDO South Africa's Sector Podcast, Frankly Speaking. My name is Naledi Sikwati, Sector Communication Specialist and your host for this podcast series. Our aim for this podcast is to deliver short, informative insights covering financial services, technology, natural resources, real estate and construction, media and telecoms, public sector, consumer goods and the mid-market. Don't forget to subscribe to our Frankly Speaking podcast series and stay informed. Visit bdo.co.za to subscribe. The current economic climate has presented many challenges and complexities to business owners, with many of them having to make the necessary changes to their businesses to avoid insolvency. Here to give clarity on business restructuring is Christopher Ray, business restructuring specialist within BDO Advisory. Hello, Christopher, and thank you so much for agreeing to join us today. Thanks very much, Naledi. Thank you for having me. Um, according to um, International Insurer Alliance Trade, out of 49 countries, South Africa is the 43rd most difficult for debt collection. Um, in some cases, small to medium enterprises are taking as long as 120 to 180 days rather to settle debts. What, in your opinion, is the best way for these businesses to avoid insolvency? Well, thanks, Naledi. So um, there are many tools available to a business owner, um, but I think the most fundamental one is obviously to start within your own organization. You need to employ um, a strong individual or at least a strong team in your finance department that know how to manage a debtor's book properly. Um, for me, engagement with your, your debtors is fundamental, but there are certain tools, um, you know, business tools, if I can call it that, that are available to business owners. Um, some of them I can give you an example on. Um, the first is the factoring of a debtor's book. Um, some people may have heard that before, but what it really is, is you sell your invoices to a bank, for example, at a discounted amount, um, and they would pay you out cash immediately on the sale of that invoice to the bank. And that is part of a debtor's factoring facility. And what then occurs is that um, the money is paid to you almost immediately. You're not waiting for your debtor to pay you in 120 to 180 days, albeit that you're being paid obviously slightly less by the bank. And that can assist the, the business owner in, in cash flow in the business. Um, these debtors factoring facilities are nothing new. They've been around for a long time and that can obviously um, negate the, the delay in, in receipt of, of money, albeit at a slightly discounted rate. And the bank then in turn collects those debtors in due course, um, being the owner of those, those invoices. So that's an example of, of a mechanism in which you can assist your business with cash flow. Um, another example of that is to take security of a debtor's book, for example. So um, you can take session of the rights that relate to a debtor's book um, from your own debtor. And in the event that they don't uh, pay you, you can actually exercise that right. You can execute, as they say, on that session, and you can ultimately collect their debtors um, for the benefit of your own business. Um, and often we find the session of debtors books uh, in the terms and conditions when one provides credit, for example, to somebody who would become your debtor. So those are nice, simple ways of, of um, you know, creating contractual rights to, to access um, a company's debtors if they don't pay you. Um, another tried and trusted one is to take a surety or a guarantee from a director or indeed to take uh, you know, a security over specific assets of a company in the form of either a material bond or as many of us know a mortgage bond over property. Um, this is what they call tangible security and it allows you to execute on, on assets in order to realize 
those assets and, and collect on any amounts that are owing to you by a debtor. But of course, you know, that re does require legal costs and sometimes that can be a bridge too far for the average small to medium enterprise. So we definitely have these legal tools and, and mechanism within which to try and ensure that you are paid or to at least help you with, with cash flow. Um, but again, the most important thing for me is regular and ongoing engagements with your debtors to understand what issues they may have, what, what cash flow constraints they may have. Um, all too often we find that there's just limited engagement between you and, and a debtor. You don't really understand why you're not being paid on time. And perhaps if you can manage those expectations, you can reduce the, the time periods within which you yourself are being paid by your debtor. But again, I mean, very importantly is to partner with um, you know, a firm like BDO who can help you with these sort of issues. It's important to have a, a strategic partner that can assist with um, setting up these things from day one. So those are some of the ideas of, of how to um, avoid insolvency by utilizing business mechanisms, as I've described, um, to assist you in, in collecting your debtors. Thanks, Nalini. That's actually quite informative. Do you think there's enough information out there, particularly for small businesses, on the options available to them to avoid um, a situation where they find themselves insolvent? Nalini, no, I don't think there is. And I think often um, with respect to uh, board members of a company, um, they're often put into that position knowing very little about um, the tools that are out there. And that's why I made the statement that it's important to either go and you know, speak to your attorney or, or speak to a, a restructuring professional like we have at BDO who can advise on these sort of things up front. Um, but yes, on the whole, I think there's probably a lack of knowledge as to these types of tools and the service offerings um, that are available. And you recently attended the Insol International Conference and you met a trained barrister by the name of Priya Lakani. Um, what was it about her story that resonated with you most? And what lessons do you think business owners in South Africa can learn from her, obviously given the current climate and the state of the economy at the moment? Well, thanks, Naledi. So entrepreneurship is definitely a key part of a healthy business environment and, and should be more encouraged in South Africa, in my opinion. Um, I often feel that entrepreneurs are overlooked by financiers. Um, and I think that we really need to develop an entrepreneurial finance culture if we are to develop new businesses and, and obviously in this very challenging economic climate in South Africa. So um, for me, Priya Lakani was very impressive. Um, yeah, she's a trained barrister, um, which is obviously um, our equivalent of an advocate in South Africa. And in fact, she even holds an order of the British Empire, which is you know, something that not many people obtain. But for me, that wasn't even the most impressive aspect of her character. Um, she has an infectious person personality, and it was refreshing to see how her entrepreneurial spirit shone through um, in her presentation. So, um, yeah, as I said, Priya is not a, your typical barrister. She left a, a promising law career in 2008, and she launched a business from her own savings um, to make fresh Indian cooking sauces. And you know, her, her tagline was that it was as taste as good as her mother's, which I thought was was great. Um, but you yeah, know, her I business think is. I think that's quite catchy. Actually, I was quite indeed. impressed by that. Indeed, and, and her business is called Masala Masala, and her products are actually stocked now in the major retailers in the UK, including Waitrose, Ocado, Harvey Nichols, Harrods, and there's a few others. Um, but on top of that, she's also the founding CEO of a company called Century Tech, and that they, are, they specialize in artificial intelligence for the education system. Um, they actually develop AI-powered learning tools for schools, colleges, universities, and employers across the world. So 
you know, a, a multifaceted lady that she can uh, have these types of businesses. But I think, you know, for me personally, she inspired me as I, I believe that, you know, in this world with you know, economic instability, skyrocketing inflation and higher than ever energy prices, uh, the role of the entrepreneur has never been more important. Um, and for me, Priya's entrepreneurial journey stands as a beacon of hope for young, talented, aspirational business people in South Africa. And she, she had this long story about her mentality and the way she addresses problems, but it really boils down to a no is merely the beginning of a yes mentality. And that really stood out for me as a stark reminder um, of, you know, with the right attitude and willingness to work harder than anyone else, that anything is possible in South Africa. Um, you know, Priya was told by her teachers that she would never actually qualify as a barrister, which no doubt was the catalyst for her to work harder than anyone else. And I firmly believe that in South Africa, our culture needs to adapt to champion entrepreneurs. Um, and specifically in our profession as restructuring professionals, um, the restructuring of any business through an insolvency process can actually be an entry point for an entrepreneur-minded person to acquire a business, for example, through that, that insolvency process or business rescue process um, that would otherwise take years to establish. Um, I can give you the example of a mining entity, for example. So, you know, not every restructuring or insolvency-based restructuring is, is simply based on poor management or poor structures within a business. It can sometimes be external factors and someone who's entrepreneurially minded can approach uh, a business in an insolvency process and acquire the business with, with all of the, the groundwork that goes into establishing that type of business. And in fact, the difference between that business failing and going on to thrive may just be the presence of that inspirational individual like Priya, um, who can actually come in, restructure the affairs, save jobs and contribute to the economy. You know, our process, our insolvency process or, or business rescue process may tidy up the balance sheet, but you still need somebody to take over that business and be inspirational and be entrepreneurially minded. And that for me was what inspired me about Priya's uh, presentation at the, the Insult Conference in London this year. It's actually quite an aspirational and inspirational story. And I think it can really just apply to any context and any kind of environment, any anywhere in the world. Um, I think it's it's quite impressive um, that her resilience, I think, I mean, hearing from your encounter is probably what resonates with me the most. Um, so that's, that's quite impressive. And overall, how did you find the conference and what kind of um, other lessons did you learn from it? So it's, it's the first conference that um, we've had in person. I was lucky to attend uh, a similar conference uh, a few years ago in Singapore. Um, and obviously with the onset of COVID, we, we simply didn't have these face-to-face -face engagements. So, you know, with nearly 900 people from around the world that do what we do, it was inspirational and, and, and very um, refreshing to see people face-to-face, -face, hear their stories, hear how they dealt with running of businesses in you know, distressed environments within um, the COVID uh, space. You know, running, uh, there was a very inspirational talk that um, an attorney from America spoke about running large retail insolvencies in America, having never actually met the management team, but then still being successful and, and having traded these businesses out of those situations to solvency, whether that be you know, the sale of businesses or capital injections or introducing new, new funding through shareholding structures. Um, it's those types of stories that I really took away from, from the conference. And, you know, not everybody likes the, the word insolvency. They always hear business rescue or liquidation. And I think that things are, you know, it's the end of everything. There's also massive opportunities within the restructuring space for those that uh, 
can see through those issues and, and see opportunities. So the conference on a whole um, was very impressive. Um, and as I said, great to be face to face with some people again. Yeah, that must have been quite refreshing. Um, so, yeah, speaking of the current context, there has been a hectic spike in, in load shedding and, you know, renewable energy and all those conversations have come to the forefront again. Um, and these, you know, this has pre presented quite complex challenges to particularly small business owners or, you know, companies that might not really have the resources of, of larger entities. Also coming off the in the back of, um, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, the complexities that that brought about. How can your services assist um, such um, businesses in restructuring their business models? So um, at the end of the day, um, you know, business rescue or liquidations for that matter um, are at the, at the heart of it a, a legal process. And we spoke a bit you know, earlier about the lack of knowledge from directors on, on boards as to what the obligations are. But I mean, financial distress is actually a test that's set out in the Companies Act. And it says that if in six months time you can't meet your obligations, you actually have to liquidate your company or you have to put it into business rescue, which is something that is often lost on, on a board of directors. Now, your question is how can our services assist the businesses that are affected by load shedding, um, COVID-19 pandemic? And the truth is that um, a formal process like that can actually assist the company in developing a business rescue plan, for example, if it's rescue that you, you're going to enter into that rearranges the debt of the company or assists the company to trade back to solvency. Unfortunately, all too often we see businesses arrive at our doorstep um, on the eve of a, a cataclysmic event. They can't pay their staff on Friday. They've got the sheriff at their door. Whereas what I would like to see is, is, is a, an evolution of the business rescue process and, and companies using it well in advance of that cataclysmic event. So when you can see that in six months or a year's time, you're not going to be able to meet your obligations. Utilize that re rescue process to sometimes rearrange the payment terms, for example. That can be an outcome of, of the restructuring process with, with your creditors. Um, you can even enter into you know, uh, a compromise of some of the debt where perhaps a creditor is willing to accept a lesser payment so that they know that your business will continue and they can continue to do business with you. Um, now very often, smaller suppliers um, rely on, on on very limited number of businesses for their own income and their own revenue. So for them to lose those businesses simply because they're enforcing debt as, as they need it right there and then can always be um, you know, a short-sighted approach, but business rescue can help you to engage with those individuals by appointing an, in, an independent person to help with that. So unfortunately, issues such as load shedding are not the fault of a business owner, um, but they still result in financial distress. And that means that boards need to seek help sooner um, involve restructuring professionals that can assist them in managing their cash flows um, and running businesses in these uncertain times. So that that's that's the the thought process around how our services can help somebody, notwithstanding the pressures that come from around from around the business sector, um, indirect pressures and even pressures within the business can be can be resolved. Um, whether it may be poor management, for example, um, I hope that answers your question. It answers my question really well, and it leads me to my next question. 
Um, do you have any tips for entrepreneurs to kind of create financial resilience in these uncertain and unprecedented times? I think we've been in uncertain times for just over two years now. <laughs> um, so do you have any tips for, for, for entrepreneurs to maintain their financial resilience in spite of the challenges? So, the lady, the one thing I think that COVID has showed us is that, you know, many businesses would blame their, their shortcomings on COVID. Um, but there are a whole host of businesses that went into the COVID space with um, existing issues. And all that COVID did is it shone a light on, on some of those issues. And for me, it's about going back to the basics and doing them well. Um, it can be all too easy for business owners to lose focus on the basic principles of running a business during tough times. You're focusing on putting out fires and you're not actually focusing sometimes on the basic business principles. And that can unfortunately ultimately sink your business when you're making bad business decisions in a distressed environment. So we're moving very fast into the world of AI and, and technology. And I think that business owners need to leverage from technology to assist their businesses um, in, in sometimes even automating certain parts of your business. There are business tools that exist that can Automate certain um, aspects of your business, albeit unfortunately at the, to the detriment of employment sometimes, but it allows you as a business owner to focus on your business development instead of spending you know, 10 hours a day on, on trying to run the internal processes and administration functions of your business. So again, and I'm sorry to repeat this, but it's essential to partner with the right people. You have to employ the right people, have the right advisors, um, and in doing so, you'll prevent, you know, some decisions that you make in distressed environments from coming back to bite you somewhere down the line. You know, often we would find business owners giving away almost all of their assets and security for very onerous loans that, that are given to the business. And knowing full well that they can't repay those loans, you land up then leveraging your business uh, way beyond what it should be. So I know it's very easy for me to sit here and, and outside of a distressed environment say these things, but Again, having lived and breathed this through many matters, it's just simply very important to keep the the basics going um, in order to build that financial resilience. And speaking of AI and technology, um, South Africa obviously has the one of the highest unemployment rates in the world. What does, in your opinion, you know, given your experience in the business restructuring side of things, what does the future of work look like? In your opinion, yeah, so Naledi, I think it's um, you know I, w I wish I had the answers for what the future holds for South Africa, um, especially from a jobs perspective. Um, however, I believe that you know what's most important for business owners is that we, and I've said it a few times in this uh, discussion, is we need to build that entrepreneurial culture. If financiers and the com the country as a whole can develop and champion entrepreneurs, then they can build their businesses and jobs will actually be created organically. Um, it's a byproduct of successful businesses. You need more people to assist you when you become more successful. So um, the business rescue process, for example, is a very important one in the lifespan of a business because if you are in financial distress, instead of going to liquidation and seeing all of your employees' uh, you know, agreements are, are terminated by operation of law, Business Rescue actually champions the rights of employees. They, their rights are entrenched in the Companies Act. Um, they still have all of their rights in terms of the Labor Relations Act and the, the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. 
but by going into a rescue process, the employee's rights are almost elevated. And you know, not all business rescue processes are, processes are successful, but at the very least, you are entering into a process that has a better like better likely outcome for employees, and and cementing their their place in that business if you can restructure the debts of the business, for example. So, um, you know, it's it's very difficult to say what the future looks like, but I think if if boards of directors can utilize these formal processes more often and sooner, um, it will most certainly help in preserving jobs and hopefully cre even creating jobs into the future. Speaking of the future, are there any trends in the business restructuring space that you find particularly interesting or worth noting? Um, is there anything out there that you think is we should look out for? Excellent idea. So um, I think that uh, we've obviously seen a trend in the likes of the construction space. Um, unfortunately, there are many construction companies that are financially distressed at the moment. Um, you know, much of the work that, that we do in the restructuring space will mirror the distress that you see in the various business sectors of the country. Um, you know, the, of great concern to us is, is um, some of the brain drain that we're seeing in these sectors because there's simply no um, stoking of the economy from a um, from a construction perspective, there's very little work out there, so you find a lot of your skilled people are leaving the country, which is which is very concerning. But that's obviously not um, the only sector that's experiencing these issues. So what we are seeing a lot of is that under the COVID era, if I can call it that, um, many financial institutions were granting COVID loans. They were giving capital repayment holidays, you know, interest-only payments for those periods. But with the perception that businesses are returning to some sort of normality now, a lot of those loans are expecting to be repaid, and that is creating financial distress for businesses coming out of that phase. And a lot of these businesses require restructuring. And when we use the word restructuring, it's a very broad term for, for many things. It's not just about employees. It's not just about the contracts that you have. It's all about your balance sheet and, and restructuring that carefully so that the businesses can thrive coming out of these situations. So. Um, if you're asking me about trends, um, yes, there is a concern around a lack of, of uh, investment in the country and a lack of um, stoking of the those various sectors that I've described. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe that um, these formal processes or informal restructuring processes can help businesses to to hopefully see a way through these dark times. Indeed. And what would you say about the myth that smaller businesses um just the lack of access to expertise around business restructuring what do you think what do you think can be done to just um democratize um you know the, the services that you offer so that they are more accessible to different scales of of businesses so the lady what's very interesting is that um you have various levels of, of employees, even within BDO's organization. You have junior restructuring professionals, you've got senior ones that have got, you know, 20, 30 years experience. And often, you know, someone who has 30 years experience isn't needed in a smaller business, if I can call it that. So, um, you know, it would be fatalistic, I think, for business owners to think that access to a restructuring professionals out of their, um, their scope, even for a smaller business, um, sometimes it's just fundamental issues that need to be discussed with a restructuring professional, even a junior one. You know, is it 
getting your debtor's book and the collection of debtors to mirror what your payment obligations are. You often even find that those sort of basic principles where it's taking you 180 days to collect your debtors, but you agreeing to pay creditors in 30 days. You know, you, there will always be a disparity in your cash flow. That's something that you don't need a senior restructuring professional to, to look at, to pick up. So, you know, in order to gain access to um, a restructuring professional, you'd obviously have to engage with a, a firm like BDO or one of your, your legal advisors and, and try and access the correct person who will come in at the right cost um, to that business. Um, and it won't actually ultimately be to the detriment of that business to incur the cost of, of um, engaging with the restructuring professional. So most certainly it's very important to get in at the right level, if I can call it that. Well, thank you very much. I think this has been a very um, engaging discussion, very informative. And I think just to sum it all up, the best way to undergo a restructuring process is to partner up with the trusted advisor, am I correct? Absolutely, a lady. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> and just to add to that is to do it well in advance of that so-called cataclysmic event. And my last thought is something that Priya left us with at the conference. Um, she spoke of her northern star, um, and it's the thing that that gets her up in the morning. It's the thing that drives her to do what she does. And I think um, as South Africans, we maybe have lost sight of our northern star, and we all need to try and find that northern star again and to try and, and build that entrepreneurial culture um, within our businesses. That's amazing. I think I'll, I think I'll steal that. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you so much um, for your time. Thank you for availing yourself. This has been quite an, an interesting topic. Thank you for tuning in to another installment of the Frankly Speaking podcast. Stay tuned for more informative, engaging discussions with some of BDO's industry and subject matter experts. See you soon.